Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. We in day five, excuse me, day 25. <laughs> God is good and he's good all the time. Let me turn this light on right here. Praise God. Um, we are excited about what God is doing in our lives and we realize that without him, we can do nothing. Literally, we couldn't even tie our shoes if it wasn't for the Lord on our side. And, you know, some people can't tie their shoes. They can't. They lost their mind. They lost how they think and how they operate and who they are. But God has graced us another day, another day with our mind um, clothed in our right mind. Praise God. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. I give him praise and glory and honor. Truly, he's an awesome God and he's worthy to be praised. So, you know, we have to uh, give honor to where honor is due. And we got to realize that God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Praise God. So um, we've been uh, chopping at the bits, you know, really running for our lives and 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 going for betterment, trying to get greater, growing in God's grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, day day 25, like I said, we're in um, volume five this today, and we're going to start off with session one um, with uh, Quest for Authentic Manhood 33, the series from uh, Men's Fraternity. And so um, we're, we're continuing to go forward and and what God is doing, please share this video um, with somebody, a man that you know that needs to hear uh, what this video has to share. Um, and really every man knows it, uh, needs to know it, but er, uh, every man ain't ready for it. So uh, I understand that Jesus even understood that when he came, he said, he said, I came for the sick, but uh, because the well don't need a physician. And when he said that, we knew we know that the whole world was sin sick and we the whole world needed him. But he was talking about those that knew that they needed him, that they knew that that there was something missing, you know, um, in their lives. And and, you know, we, we could go about what we, you know, think we know and how things are should go and this, that, and the other, but God, he has to create that void in our hearts. He has to um, let us realize that, hey, this ain't it. What I've been doing ain't it. I need so I need something different. What is it? What is it, God? What am I missing? And to be able to call upon him, he has to make us sick and tired and uh, being sick and tired, right? So we have to, that's why he gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise because it's him that has to enlighten us that we need him, that we need to grow. We need something different in our life. There is a void. Otherwise, we we know, well, we try to fill that void. We just subconsciously with all kinds of idols, like we talked about um, in the earlier uh, lessons and sessions, um, we try to fill them with idols and substitutes, but they never really fulfill us. And and so we're always on that quest um, for that next thing that we're going to, you know, this is going to satisfy me. This is going to make me happy. This is going to give me authentication. Um, and um, but it don't work, you know, besides uh, apart from God, it, it ain't gonna work. So uh, I'm I'm just grateful for what the Lord is doing and and how He's 
moving in my life and, and the lives of uh, people all over the nation and all over the world. And it's just going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get worse for some, but it's going to be better for the men and women of God that put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to go ahead and get started with uh, volume five, uh, session one. Let us go ahead and cue that up. Welcome, men, to 33 The Series. This volume is about a man and his marriage. We're going to take a close look at one of the most profound and intimate relationships a man can experience on this earth. It reaches to a man's core and has the potential to draw out the best in him. It can be one of the richest and most enjoyable experiences in a man's life. Marriage, what it is and what it isn't. What God says about it and his intentions for it and how a man can successfully lead and love his wife. And guys, while there are many important relationships in a man's life, none deserve more care, focus, and investment than his relationship with his wife. A man's marriage is meant to be, and can be, an incredible source of energy, joy, and intimacy. Our goal in this volume is to take you, as men who are pursuing authentic manhood, on a journey that will help you to understand and enjoy God's bigger vision for marriage. Now, a couple of things before we get started. First, be sure that you have your own training guide. The training guide is just as important as the video sessions themselves. It includes outlines of the teaching, exclusive articles, a personalized action plan, recommended resources, and additional information that will help you on your journey. And second, we want to introduce a special guest who will be joining us in every session. Paul Tripp is a well-known author and speaker. He is widely recognized as an expert on marriage. Paul will be bringing his years of experience to offer insightful marriage wisdom that you'll want to master. So let's get started. purpose of marriage is to build something with someone else because you can do more with like two people than you can do with one so and of course love but I don't think that's should be the only focus honestly the purpose of marriage yeah. I find someone to spend my life with you know I, I want to find someone to enjoy all the good times and bad times with a partner who uh I could go through, I guess, the rest of my life with and, and experience different things. Marriage to me is just really pretty much a certificate piece of paper where you still, if you with somebody 20 years without paper, you're still married, might as well say the same thing. Just paper to me. Purpose of marriage is to have a happy life with someone that you love and have children and make a very happy relationship. Purpose of marriage, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, Camaraderie, friendship. I don't know. I just, I basically, there's something that'll help you strengthen yourself to make you become a better man, a better woman. Um, making babies, 
but don't anyone want to be alone in this world. So, you know, share some common interests that you have with your person. That's what life is all about. Getting married and procreating. I think the purpose of marriage is for two people who have found companionship are um, in love maybe, um, but really mainly uh, enjoy each other's presence, build off of each other and enrich each other's life mutually. Purpose of marriage is so man doesn't be alone. God said he doesn't want man to be alone. And the fact that he brings a man and a woman together, I think it's something that points to the fact that the triune God has enjoys communion and unity with each other. Um, the fact that they're three one and he brings together two people to be one. There's a lot of financial reasons for getting married. Uh, I know people do that a lot, which is probably the wrong reason to get married, but still do it. Um, to me, marriage would be like find the right person, being able to commit yourself to them for the rest of your life and having it actually written down on paper. I think the beauty of marriage for me is having that woman that is uh, down for me regardless, you know, and loves me uh, in spite of me. I truly believe that God created marriage. I believe that he created, and this is just my personal view, that he created marriage for a man and a woman to come together to celebrate their love and to honor him and to have children. It's getting married, I've been, I'm really challenged in the fact that marriage is such a, a huge part of God's redemption plan and that the person you're married to is a sinner and he uses them as an instrument of change in your life, which is becoming more and more apparent as the months go on. So. It's about family, stability, and a beautiful life. Guys, while there are many important relationships in a man's life, none deserve more care, focus, and investment than his relationship with his wife. A man's marriage is meant to be and can be an incredible source of energy, joy, and intimacy. No other person can draw out the best in a man than a well-loved wife. But with the possibility of great intimacy, joy, and fulfillment, there's also a possibility of great pain and misunderstanding and frustration. And for too many of us, our marriages seem to be filled with more conflict than joy and more numbness than excitement. You see, with no other person does a man make himself more vulnerable, and therefore more open to hurt and conflict. Too many of us are stuck in our marriages. We're living in what we call a numb marriage where we may be living under the same roof, but we're not thriving or growing together. We're not enjoying spiritual and emotional and physical intimacy. We're not bringing out the best in each other or blessing others as a couple. And guys, the numbers that often get reported are just sad. Some experts claim that 50% of all first marriages will eventually end in divorce. Half of those divorces occur in the first seven years. Statistics like that have given marriage a bad rap and led many couples to delay or even forego marriage and just live together without bothering to make a marital commitment. But marriage has such incredible potential to bring out all kinds of positive benefits and joys to a man and a woman who are willing to embrace God's amazing vision for a healthy marriage. Decades of research confirms that married men and women are much more likely to live longer, 
be physically and mentally healthier, recover from illness quicker and more successfully, and even experience an overall greater degree of happiness. The unique benefits of marriage are awesome. They don't often get the publicity they deserve, but we also want you to hear this. As awesome as the benefits are, marriage is about way more than just your momentary happiness and positive outcomes for society. As we've learned in this series, God has a much bigger vision for marriage than just that. And as men who are pursuing authentic manhood, I can't think of a more important topic for us to look at and better understand than marriage. And no matter where you are right now, whether you're single, married, divorced, or remarried, whether your marriage feels hopeless and numb, or it is thriving and exciting, this volume has something for you because we're going to look at what God says about the whole thing. We're going to get a clear picture of God's vision of marriage that will change everything for those of you who are stuck and will be a great encouragement for those who are enjoying his vision for marriage and your wife already. Now, in this session, we are going to lay a biblical foundation for marriage that will carry forward for the entire volume. We're going to look at two things. First, we're going to look at the origin of marriage. Then we're going to look at God's design for a husband and a wife in marriage. So let's look first at the origin of marriage. Our key passage here comes from Genesis, the first book of the Bible. If you've done other volumes of 33 with us, you know that we keep coming back to Genesis chapters one through three. It's one of the most important texts for manhood as well as for marriage. When Jesus taught about marriage, he always referred back to Genesis. You see, it's in Genesis that we learn about the noble pathways of life. We see God create manhood, womanhood, marriage, parenting, and work. The pathways and institutions that are from God and created for us to walk in and thrive. And in Genesis 2, we see God create marriage. Listen to this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. There are four foundational truths this passage teaches us about marriage. Here's the first and most obvious. Marriage was God's idea. It wasn't something created by man. It has a divine origin and was created and defined by God in the beginning. One man with one woman in a unique covenant relationship. Recognizing that marriage is from God is foundational because it reminds us not to take our cues about it from society, culture, or television. 
but from the original designer, how he designed it and what he intended. Just like with anything else, marriage functions best when it operates according to its design, according to the directions and purpose of its creator. Here's the second foundational truth we learn from Genesis 2. God said that it was not good for man to be alone. In Genesis, God declared good everything that he had created. The only thing that was not good was man's solitude, man's isolation, man living alone. God knew that man would function better with a partner, a collaborator, a companion. One author put it this way, when it comes to the physical, emotional, spiritual, and sexual well-being of men, they are at their best in marriage. So what did God do? This brings us to the third truth we learn from this passage. God created a helper suitable for man. Here's your key takeaway. Not that man gets a helper, but that we as men need lots of help. So God created a unique relationship that both provides man with a companion who not only compliments and helps him, but also is someone for him to love and serve and enjoy. We also see in this passage that this companion is perfectly suited for man. God made a custom design compliment to Adam. This tells us that the differences between men and women aren't accidental. They're intentional and designed with our best in mind. Like author Richard Phillips says, the ideal is that a woman corresponds to a man not as a mirror, but as a puzzle piece. Instead of being frustrated or annoyed at our differences, this helps us recognize our wife's beauty as she compliments and helps us to stretch and grow beyond ourselves. It is also important for us to remember that like man, woman was also made in the image of God and therefore has inerrant dignity, worth, and significance. That's why in Genesis 1.28, we see God command both the man and the woman to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. In other words, the woman was created to co-rule the earth with the man, not to be ruled by him. Matthew Henry gives a great illustration of this when he said that woman was not made of man's head to top him, not of his feet to be trampled under him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved. This brings us to the final thing we learn about marriage from Genesis 2. God intended man to leave his parents home and to cling to his wife. Leave and cleave. You see, God intended man to be leaders, to leave the dependence of their parents' home and to create their own self-sustaining family unit. One that a man creates, cultivates, provides for, and protects. God also intended man to cling to his wife, to become attached to her in a unique way, to bond with her physically, emotionally, and spiritually in a way that he will experience with no one else. The word clean carries with it the ideal of maintaining a covenant relationship. In biblical terms, a covenant is the closest relationship you can have with another person. In fact, 
It's how God describes his own relationship and faithfulness to his people. The word implies fidelity, wholehearted commitment and permanence. This tells us that God didn't intend marriage as a temporary arrangement or something that should be entered into lightly. It was intended to be the deepest bond you can experience and highest commitment you can offer. A commitment to one woman for life. So let's quickly review. What does Genesis 2 teach us about marriage? We get four foundational truths. First, it was God's idea. Second, God designed man not to be alone, but to flourish and be sanctified through marriage. Third, God custom designed woman to co-rule the earth with men as both equals and as perfect complements. And fourthly, God designed marriage as a covenant, a sacred relationship between a man and a woman. Let's now listen as Paul Tripp expands on this. I think there are thousands and thousands of couples that get married every year with unrealistic expectations. Maybe it begins with the weirdness of Western culture dating. I think sometimes Western culture dating is just a step above used car sales. Because when I'm dating, the last thing I want is that person to actually get to know me because I'm trying to sell myself to that person. Six months into marriage, the woman is crying, this is not the man I married. Well, it is the man you married. The man you dated was a fake. I was one of those, those guys. I got married with completely unrealistic expectations. Uh, we had no idea as a couple the dark things that we were going to face that I brought into marriage. I was a very angry man. I was in the midst of destroying my life and my ministry, and I didn't know it. I had no idea. We had no idea when we were facing marriage that that's what we were going to face. Uh, we had no idea of the things that we brought into that relationship that were destructive to its unity and its peace. God rescued me by, by his grace. But I want to say this. Here's a biblical view of marriage. It's a flawed person married to a flawed person in a fallen world. Are you encouraged yet? But with a faithful God. I think we tend in the, the heat of romance and the joy of the relationship to minimize the reality of sin in our hearts that is so destructive to marriage and the reality of the brokenness of our world. We live in a world that does not operate the way God intended. And the troubles of that world will enter the door of your marriage. It's important to have high goals for your marriage. Your goals should be as high as God's design for that relationship. But you must have realistic expectations. You must understand the things that you bring into that relationship that are destructive to what it could be. Perhaps our, our struggle with expectations is really rooted in a misunderstanding of the purpose for marriage. The ultimate purpose for marriage is not human happiness. Now that sounds weird to people because a lot of people get married to become happy or to find identity or to have meaning and purpose. 
Now, the reason we can talk firmly about the purpose for marriage is because marriage has a creator. Marriage wasn't a human idea. It was God's idea. And when you create something, you create something with a purpose. And so God has a purpose for this relationship. Uh, and if you would blow back up again to helicopter level and look at what the Bible says about this relationship, the ultimate purpose of marriage is actually not happiness. It's holiness. It's the radical reformation transformation of the human heart to be what God meant it to be. And so what God does is he puts us in this comprehensive relationship that will bring us to the end of ourselves because that's a good thing. So we will seek his grace together and in seeking his grace, begin to grow together to be what he created us to be. That's what marriage is meant to be. So all those differences in marriage are not in the way of God's plan. All those things we got to deal with, they're not in the way of God's plan. They're part of God's plan. Because if he wanted it just to be predictable and easy, he could have done that. But that's not his plan. His plan is there's something better than happiness. It's holiness. It's walking with him in the way that he created us to be. When a husband's doing that and a wife is doing that, they're doing that together. They have the happiest of relationships. Okay. We've looked at the origin of marriage. Now, we're going to go a little deeper and show you God's design for a husband and wife in marriage. How God designed that covenant relationship between a man and a woman to actually work and thrive. Now, throughout history, there have generally been three different approaches to how a husband and wife should relate to one another. The first approach is what we call the top-down marriage. Some even call it the traditional marriage. This type of marriage has been around for much of human history. It's basically a top-down approach where the husband is the king or dictator in relation to his wife and family. The marriage centers around his needs and his goals, with the family more or less acquiescing to all of his desires and whims. In this type of marriage, there can often feel like there's a winner and a loser. The wife loses her dreams, loses her identity, and loses her significance to her husband. In its worst forms, physical and emotional abuse lurk behind the scenes in these types of marriages. Unfortunately, a common caricature exists in our culture that says that this top-down marriage is a type of marriage promoted in the Bible. As you'll see in just a moment, this couldn't be further from the truth. The second approach to marriage is what we call the identical marriage. The emphasis here is on equality, fairness, and sameness. Everything is 50-50, and there is no difference in the roles of a husband and wife. This type of marriage has dominated the Western world for about the last 30 or 40 years. And there's a lot that feels right about it, equality, and fair consideration of the husband and wife are good things. But unfortunately, the identical marriage is an overcorrection for the shortcomings of the top-down marriage and often results in a leaderless house that exaggerates the sameness between a husband and wife. The final type of marriage we want to show you today is what we call the side-by-side -side biblical marriage. This type of marriage is neither a top-down dictatorship, 
nor a 50-50 leaderless marriage. It's a marriage that emphasizes equality and fairness on the one hand, but also leaves room for leadership and God-intended differences between husbands and wives. To show you God's vision and design for a biblical marriage, we are going to look at the longest description of the relationship between husbands and wives found in the Bible. It's one of the Apostle Paul's most profound statements and is found in Ephesians chapter 5. In this insightful passage, we see how God designed the relationship between a husband and a wife to thrive. We learn that God has given core roles to the husband and to the wife. Listen to how Paul describes these roles in Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to the Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Paul is telling us that God has given two core roles in marriage. The husband is given the role of headship, which expresses itself primarily in love. The wife is given the role of submission, which expresses itself primarily in respect. We are going to return to Ephesians 5 in later sessions, but we want to begin unpacking it some here. Let's look first at the husband. Here's a definition of his biblical role of headship. Headship is the husband's divinely appointed role to provide responsible servant leadership in his home. Now, there are a few things we want to point out about this definition. First, headship is a divine appointment. Men aren't given this role as head because they are better than or superior to women. No, headship is a divine role based on God's plan, not a divine award based on man's performance or superiority. Another thing to notice about this definition is that it calls for leadership. Men, this means that you take the initiative and the responsibility over the key aspects of your marriage and family. It doesn't mean that you have to micromanage everything, like your wife's schedule or friends or aspirations. It doesn't mean you overshadow her, her personality or her preferences. You and your wife may decide that it's best for her to take leadership over certain areas of your shared life, like the finances or the caretaking of the children. But you're leading those discussions and ultimately taking responsibility for the benefit of your wife and family. The third thing I want you to notice is that the key word in our definition of headship is the word servant. Too many men want to run past the word servant to the word leadership. But God is calling us to follow Christ's example of leadership. Just like Christ, loved and served the church, even to the point of dying for her. Husbands are to love and serve their wives. Jesus didn't live his life for himself, 
but for others, for the church. And your role as a servant leader wasn't given as a gift to you, but as a gift for your wife and family. Being a servant leader means that like Jesus, your focus is to be on serving others and not yourself. It means that you have a consistent mindfulness that your decisions and life are no longer just about what is best for you, but about what is best for your wife and family. It means that at the core of your marriage and the core of your leadership is something fundamental to every healthy marriage. It is something that Jesus taught us everything about, grace. All healthy marriages are built on and around grace. Here's what it looks like. As we receive and appreciate and embrace God's grace for us through his son Jesus, we desire and are motivated to share that same grace with our spouse. You'll hear much more about this as we progress, but just know that grace is fundamental to your servant leadership in your home. Wives who live in that environment will experience their husband's headship as empowering and supportive, not as stifling and oppressive. Now, what about the wife's role of submission? Here's our biblical definition of submission. Submission is the wife's divinely appointed role to use her gifts and attitude to affirm her husband's leadership and initiative. The word submission often gets a bad rap in our modern culture, and there are a lot of misconceptions about it. I want to dispel some of those misconceptions by telling you what submission doesn't mean. First, submission does not mean a yes person. Submission isn't a woman who goes around and says, yes, dear, to everything. Second, submission is not something a man demands from his wife. It's only for a wife to give to her husband. It's an attitude that she has because she wants him to be the kind of man God wants him to be. When a man starts initiating, it's very easy for a woman to yield and say, go for it, baby, because she feels protected and cared for from a guy that's demonstrating responsible initiative. Third, submission does not mean an enabler of wrongdoing. It only means empowering of right doing. Don't think that submission means that a woman should yield to a man who wants to do things that are wrong. No, she shouldn't. She should respectfully confront him. Submission is empowering of right doing, not enabling of wrongdoing. Today, we've laid a biblical foundation for marriage. We looked at its divine origin and its biblical design. Like anything, a marriage thrives the most when it operates according to its designer's intentions. Next session, we are going to unpack more and paint a clearer vision of the primary ways a husband can be a servant leader in his home. That's a great start for our journey toward authentic marriage. Now, right here, we want to say a word to the guys who are single. If you're wondering for a second if this material is for you, the truth is that every man should have a biblical vision for marriage. Not only will it help you, it will also equip you to help other men. Every man will have the opportunity to process this material to help him make wise decisions about marriage. 
Here's another important thing for you to hear at the beginning of our journey. We strongly encourage you to experience this material with at least one other man. Ideally, you're in a small group of guys who are processing it all together, sharing your stories and questions, your challenges and mistakes. Guys, that's where the magic really happens, when men come together to grow and encourage each other in this journey that we're all on. Now, be sure to note in your training guide that after each session, there's a place for you to record your strategic moves. It's always good for us as guys to have an action plan, something to help us follow through on what we've learned and apply it to our lives. At the end of this volume, we'll compile all of our strategic moves to develop a personal action plan, a plan that you can live out in your own marriage or in your pursuit of marriage. Now, before we close, I want to plant a seed with you that we'll return to when we finish this volume. As you experience the next five sessions, you're going to be encouraged and challenged, inspired, and for those of you who've been married for a while, probably even convicted about some things in your marriage. So we want to challenge you here at the beginning to be thinking about sharing some of that with your wife, the things that you're learning about yourself and your marriage in this volume. We're going to encourage you to consider watching the videos and reading the training guide together with her. Now, for many of you, that might be a pretty bold step to take. Only you know where you truly are in your marriage and if sharing these insights would be an encouragement in your relationship. But we want to challenge you to begin praying about that. It would be a great way to connect with her on a heart level, to let her know that you're normal in a lot of your shortcomings as a husband, and that you're truly interested in investing in her and in your marriage. We'll circle back on that at the end. Now, next session, we're going to paint a clear vision of servant leadership within a marriage. We'll also look at the number one enemy that can keep any one of us from fulfilling that role. Marriage isn't directly about our happiness. If one person is unhappy, who's looking for the other person to make them happy? I mean, it doesn't work. She doesn't have to wonder how you feel about her. She doesn't have to wonder if you're going to be there for her. She doesn't ever have to wonder if she feels hurt because you initiate those conversations. Selfishness can be the root of all evil in a marriage. You are your biggest enemy to your own marriage. Praise the Lord. We definitely uh, <laughs> are challenged by this lesson. Um, marriage, you know, truly is a gift from God. And if we don't enter it into it lightly and with a comprehension, understanding of it, then we falter and fail. And uh, we, we're going to have mistakes anyway. But when we realize the roles and the design that God intended for marriage to be, it, it just helps things move um, in the right course all the time. And, and so when we make mistakes and when we falter and fail, we can fail forward 
and knowing that, hey, God, God said that, hey, we were going to have some heartaches and we were, we were going to have some mistakes, but we're moving forward. We know how to deal with those things and how to um, compensate for those things and who to go to for the help that we need in our marriage. And so that's what it's all about. Um, I'm excited to be able to share this information with you. Please share it with somebody else. Be evangelistic and get somebody else to get this information. And so we're we're in um, session one today. We just finished session one, and we're going to be going on as five other sessions. And so they're pre-recorded on um, just Antoine and Let's Get Growing Man, and and so we're. Um, we're making it available and it can be viewed how many times you ever want to view them and things of that nature and shared. And so we're, we're glad that you're, you're um, going to take this initiative to help people in their marriage. And, and um, we look forward to hearing from you. So DM me, let me know what's going on, how you're enjoying this. Um, like me on my social media pages, uh, just Antoine, uh, let's get growing, man. Please get involved and in changing not only your life, but someone else's. God bless you. This is just Antoine. I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.